Welcome to the Faith, Health, and Home Digital Podcast. I am your host, Makeba Giles. Here we share information and resources for physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being to help families live an inspired lifestyle and encourage healthy living. Thank you for joining us. Well, Dr. Lynette Charity is a board-certified anesthesiologist with over 35 years of experience in the health profession. And she's with me now to share how families can maintain their mental and emotional health during this unprecedented time of COVID-19. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Makiba. Thank you for having me. Now, first, Doctor, before we go into our main topic, I might do want to talk about people remaining vigilant um, during this time because we know that we've heard a lot of um, states starting to loosen up their restrictions and try to, um, quote-unquote, reopen their state or their city. Um, tell us why is continued vigilance with social distancing and hygiene still important right now? Well, as you know, with the uh, when they were talking to Dr. Fauci about this new phasing-in program that they're planning to do, the first thing he talked about was the fact that it was on, on each state to open according to their rules and regulations. But one thing that they need to be careful about is the fact that we do not at this time have all the testing kits that we need. We do not have the contact uh, locations that we need. We don't know exactly who might be out there who has COVID but has no symptoms. And so we still need to be vigilant because of the fact that if we do not follow the guidelines of social distancing, hand washing, wearing a mask out when you're out and about, uh, even when we reopen technically, then there's a potential for an uptick in cases. Right now, we're sort of seeing that things are getting better. We're seeing the numbers kind of plateauing out or going down, but it is a guaranteed uh, event if for any reason we get into that mindset that everything can just go back to normal. We can go out to a restaurant. We can go out to a movie. We don't have to wear a mask. We, don't ha we can handshake. We can hug. All of those things, there's still that potential that there are people out there that have not been tested, that are asymptomatic, yet they're carriers, and they will affect, infect other people. Absolutely. Now, um, what would be your advice to families right now who um, live in one of those states that they're starting to loosen up guidelines or, or do the phasing in? Um, what, are your, what is your advice to families to keep their, themselves and their children protected as these restrictions are lifted? Well, I am I'm in a state that is going to be lifting. We're actually opening up a few things on the 1st of May. And I have a two-year-old grandson. And, uh, and I, I tell people this, that even though we're opening up, I am a woman of a certain age. I am in that, in that uh, category where if I get COVID, uh, it could be potentially deadly to me. And so I tell people in my age group, as we have been saying all along, in, in uh, the elderly age group, 65 years and over, uh, people with immunocompromised systems, people with uh, other health systems, uh, other health problems, 
that they need to still self-isolate. They need to just stay home and not worry that the world is starting to open up because it's really not necessary to put themselves at risk at this time. And for people who need to go back to work, social distancing is the most important thing. And Dr. Fauci said, and, and everyone has said that, if you feel uncomfortable going back to work, even though your company is saying that you can go back to work, but you can you can telework from home, then it is important for you to express that and stay at home. There is no reason that anyone should be put into a mindset that they have to go back to work if they don't feel comfortable doing so. If the programs are not in place at that particular work site, then it is okay for you to say, I'm not coming back until, you know, you do the proper testing, until you do the, the contact tracing, until there's a vaccine. Whatever you want to say, because this is all about people's comfort level. And even though all of these states are going to start opening up, yes, we need our economy back, we still have to look at safety of the people because the people are the most important aspect of what's going on right now. And we have to keep everyone safe. That's the most important thing. We have gone through a devastating event, and it's not over yet. It's, it's just not over yet. So we still have to be vigilant. Everyone should have a right, if they want to, to stay at home and follow the guidelines of social distancing. No one should be forced into doing something that they are uncomfortable doing. Absolutely, and that's great advice that you shared there. Now, we talked about how important um, people are, and that's that's definitely true, um, especially when it comes to mental and emotional health. Now, tell us, um, how does mental and emotional health affect a person's overall physical health? Well, the mind and body, the brain and the rest of the body are all connected. And imagine the stress of this situation. Imagine just being in your home worried constantly that you're going to get COVID, that your family may get COVID, that you may be permanently out of work, that you may die. All of that mental stress will have a toll on the body. You may not be able to sleep well. You may not eat well. You may get depressed. All of these things are intertwined. And so what I've, always, what I've been recommending to people is that, yes, we are in not a lockdown. We are in, a, in an isolation state. We're not quarantined unless you truly have the disease. You can get outside. A little vitamin D will help you so much. And I have a routine. My routine is not the routine pre-COVID but I have a routine now. And my routine is that, number one, I get up in the morning and I thank, I have gratitude, the fact that I open my eyes. I get up in the morning, I make my bed because I'm not going back to bed. This is not a time to now just sit around and watch, binge watch, uh, you know, Breaking Bad or just sit around and eat. You need to have some activity you need to have a routine. 
those things are great. I have it, like I said, I'm, I'm self-isolating with a two-year-old, and I'm 68. And let me tell you, he keeps me busy. He keeps me busy. My daughter is here. She's working from home. We take care of him. These young kids don't know that we're supposed to be inside or not doing things. So I find activity with him, and we take little walks. We keep our social distancing. We, we talk to each other. It's, and, and I've taught a lot of my elderly friends how to use social media, which they have absolutely loved. They have a phone. They know how to do FaceTime. They can do Google Duo. You know, I talk to them almost every day. That keeps me active. That keeps my brain active. I exercise at least 30 minutes a day. It doesn't have to be anything major. And, and the most important thing is that the, people have a mindset now that they're bored. They have nothing to do. I'm doing online classes right now that I am totally enjoying. I enjoy being back in a learning mode. It keeps the brain sharp. It really does. And then I appreciate just the small things in life. I appreciate that there's sun outside. We have bunnies that come through our yard, and we just sit there sometimes, my husband and I, and just watch them interact. Things that I had never done before, I am now keeping my brain sharp. I'm keeping my body healthy. I'm trying to eat right. All of those things I'm paying attention to rather than having the attitude that this is a woe is me type situation because this is just a reset for us. Our country will come out of this, and hopefully it will come out of it better. We will be more aware of everyone in this world, and we will understand and be more humane because we have a common enemy here. And maybe some people thought that at some point in time, our world might get destroyed by a nuclear bomb. Well, our nuclear bomb right now is COVID. But it's something that is bringing all of us together as a global community. And hopefully when we come out of this, we will all love one another right now and understand that there are certain things. We cannot sweat the small stuff. We cannot sweat the small stuff. Indeed. And um, I like what you shared about what you and your family, immediate family, is doing to um, keep yourselves mentally and emotionally stable during this time of adjustment from working at home and um, having children at home. And um, I have two kids in the house myself who are um, had to make that quick transition to distant learning. Um, I was already working from home, but just to have to transition to get them set up and you know, keep them on schedule while keeping myself on schedule um, was definitely an adjustment. So with those adjustments um, that we both share that are in our house is happening all over, right? Everyone is adjusting to the distance learning, um, now even possible financial strain due to the economy. Um, how can families remember to um, do the things as you stated, some of the things that you're doing? How can um, families remember to do those things to stay mentally and emotionally healthy and also what can families do to um, continue to practice safe guidelines even within the house to um, help themselves to stay healthy well the, the most important thing is that um, people 
you know, my daughter even says this, it's really hard for her to do her job because she has a two-year-old. And it was one thing to go to work every day. And, and her son, before we became the caregivers, her son was in uh, daycare. And now that has all changed. But what she does is that she sets a time where she is doing her work on the computer, and that's when grandpa and grandma get involved. And we have worked out a routine so that neither the, the older adults, which are my husband and I, uh, get overwhelmed, and it also gives her time to do her job and then take a break. The other thing is that this is a good time to, back in the day, you know, I'm, I'm 68. Back in the day, families had dinner together, they played together, they, you know, we, we all were, were a family. As time has gone on, because it's a two-parent household, two-working-parents two household, people have gone out and other people have taken care of their kids. Now their kids are back. This is a time to just reassess truly what family is all about. I mean, sit down with your kids. Have a conversation with them. My daughter is 37 years old, and I sit down with her, and we just talk about things. And I feel that if this hadn't happened, and I don't wish this, I, I never wish that this would happen, but I have all of a sudden reconnected with someone that because of the fact that we, you know, fortunately when all this happened, my daughter doesn't live too far from us. Fortunately, when this started to happen, she was able to just, you know, come in with, with us. And we, you know, we did went through that two-week period of just trying to figure out, make sure no one had anything. After that, we've been together for six weeks, you know, in, in this environment. And it has been an amazing transformation of family values, and relationships and when we go out my husband and I on senior day we go out with our mask on you know hand sanitizer we're ready for it we go in on senior and we pick out foods and we look at things differently before it was you know you throw stuff into the basket now we look at the food we look at what is healthy vegetables you know we eat a lot more vegetables we, we're not vegan yet but we do do all of that. We, we look at things a little bit differently. We look at um, uh, how we are reacting to the other people around us, you know, making sure that we stay six feet away from someone else. Now, a lot of the stores now have the little uh, uh, tape so that we're all safe. But we're just aware. We're, we're, we're very cognizant of what's going on. And that is the most important thing that people just need to understand is that you can go back to this new, well, you can't go back, but you have this new norm, and it's just being a little bit more aware of your surroundings, communicating better with your family, helping each other with situations I, I you know it's amazing I, I you know my two-year-old loves this show called blippy and at first it was driving me crazy but now I sit down with him and I watch how he is learning and you know I'm a physician I didn't get that with my kids growing up so I'm getting the opportunity to help him to grow up into a person that will be empathetic and understanding and I and 
you know, my, my son is in Mountain View, California. He works for Google. I only can get to see him on Google Duo, but we even communicate every day. And before all this happened, you know, if, you know, sometimes he would send me a text. That's all we usually did was text. Now he visually wants to see me. I visually want to see him, and I want to connect. So talk to each other. That's, that's what, you know, everyone is thinking that this relationship that we have right now is an onerous relationship. No, this is a relationship to now reconnect with human beings and understand that the most important part of all of this is that we take care of each other. Yes, some people, the finances are going to be difficult, but they will recover. And maybe it's in the time for us to assess what is truly important to us, what's truly important. I love that you say that about um, reconnection is definitely important in this time right now. I I know exactly what you mean. I have two adult children myself. Um, one even lives in another state. And so it was just like you said, similar to your situation. We would text every now and again, but now... Um, it, during this time we do zoom and um we text we text more and write and do more face to face um over the computer and so it really is about reconnecting um another thing i want to point out too is um since my spouse is an essential worker um he works a lot he's not at home and so this has really been a time even for him to reconnect with the children because now he's able to kind of be around them a little more um, because shifts have changed according to the needs of our city so just having that reconnection and um, tr while trying to keep a sense of normalcy I think is very important and as you said it'll definitely give us a new perspective on caring for ourselves and our loved ones once we come out of this um, now we talked about different practices outdoors and um, what are some things that people can do to stay active indoors well it, it uh, someone asked me about that a while back, and, and I do still have this practice. I even posted it on my Facebook page, and I just asked people not to call CPS on me. But my, my grandson weighs 30 pounds, and so what I do when I'm with him is that I do 10 reps, three, three sets of 10 reps. Uh, I turn him upside down, I hang him by his ankles, and I do bicep curls. And I showed this on, on my Facebook page. But let me tell you, my arms are getting quite toned. <laughs> and he absolutely loves it. Yes. The other thing is that, that just, just you know, get you know, inside. There's no reason why you can't walk around. We cannot be sedentary in the house. You can't, as I said, you can't just sit around watching television. You have to get up. I have reorganized my pantry. I've reorganized some closets. You know, I, I, I clean my own place now, and it's all for me. And I call it fun. I mean, back in the day, we used to, we used to tell our kids, well, my, my parents used to tell me, go outside and play and then come back in for dinner. You know, exercise used to be called play. So that mindset is a different thing, too, is, why in the world do we have to think of it as exercise? Because it still has that, for some people, it still has that taste of, you know, it's work. 
Make it fun. You know, when I'm mopping the floor, I have disco music on. You know, and let me tell you, you know, you, you have disco music on, you know, shake your groove thing, and, and you're singing to it, and you're dancing, and you don't even realize you're burning calories. You're just having fun. And that's what I tell people, just, just make it fun. When I, when I walk around the house, it's a purposeful walk, but it is not onerous. It's just fun. So as I said, it's just a mindset. Anyone who says they're bored, I still remember my mom said, you know, you're bored? Okay, I'll give you something to be bored about. And then she'd give me a chore to do. So the key is that there are so many things that you can do within your home. Even if you decided you wanted to paint the walls, you can find something to do to make it not only fun, but also to keep you mind and body-wise healthy because, you know, lying in bed, worrying about this situation is not going to make it go away. It is not helpful, helpful for you. So find a way, that's all I'm saying, find a way to make it enjoyable. I've been in, you know, I've been here six weeks. A lot of people have been, been in, in their homes for six weeks and some maybe more. And, you know, the poor people that are in nursing homes, I, I really feel very badly for all of them. Uh, because they don't even have that opportunity necessarily to get outside. But if you're in your own personal home and you have a backyard, you know, you have a block that you can walk around, you know, you have chores that you need to get done, things that you were thinking about doing before COVID, get them done now. You know, just get them done it's, it's, and, and make it fun. That's great advice. It really is all about that new perspective, because I think that we have all automatically started to connect exercise to outdoor things like going to the gym or going to the tennis court um, but or to the park. But now in this pandemic that we're in, finding new ways to stay active indoors is really starting to open our eyes to options that actually were around us all along. So I love that you shared the tips that you have there. Now, um, you said that you've been indoors six weeks. Um, I've been indoors quite a while myself. I can't even tell you the last time I, I drove my car. <laughs> um, I've, I've been indoors a minute, I think since um, the last, the kid's last day of school. So I think that was in, March maybe so um, I'm mm -hmm. there with you with the, the six weeks or more and we know that sometimes even with um, even though we try to keep ourselves mentally and emotionally balanced we still can get burnt out or even get a little stressed as we try to keep up with all the constant changes of COVID-19 so um, explain to us what is the difference between burnout and normal stress well Burnout is, just imagine that you, you had a, a, um, uh, a match, and uh, the match, is you, you strike it, and it's lit. So say that is the start of the stress. It's lit. And then it burns down and just crumbles. That is burnout. Now, the stress that we're, fi we're facing right now is not normal stress. But it's different. It's a different stress than someone who is going to work every day, 
and it's in an unsafe environment like a lot of our frontliners are. Just imagine day in and day out, getting up in the morning, having to think about the fact that you have to go somewhere that just one little event could change your life forever. Potentially, your mask doesn't fit right, or you don't have a mask, or you've had a mask that you've had to wash over and over again, and you're not sure if it's protecting you or not. And then you're there taking care of people you know are dying. You know they're dying, and the potential is that you could get it too. And you're going there day in, day out, over and over and over again. Say for the six weeks that we've been indoors, they've been doing that. That is burnout. That's what's going to happen. These people are eventually going to collapse because this is the problem that they're facing right now where they don't feel safe. When you get into an environment where you don't feel safe, the likelihood of the stress of that environment is going to take you over the edge to the point where you're going to just say, I am done. Recently, we had the situation, I don't know if you're aware of it, but we recently had a physician die by suicide. Yes, in, yes. Uh, yes, yes. And they didn't really talk about her story a lot, but she was on the front line. She was an emergency room doctor, and she got COVID. And even though she was res it was resolving, I can't imagine what was going through her head at that point, especially when they sent her home. And then she tried, she wanted to come back and help, and then they told her, no, you need to stay home. And then the next thing you know, she is no longer with us. And part of that in my mindset, because I speak on physician burnout, suicide, uh, depression and suicide, is that what is going on is the fact that you stress, you get depressed, you burn out where you, you just, you, you've just lost all, all ability to care, to be empathetic. You are, your brain is tired, your body is tired, and then potentially from that depression, from that burnout, your brain starts telling you that you don't need to be here anymore. And that's when you make a decision that maybe I don't. So what we have to be aware of is that when this is all over, not only, not only the, the people in the front lines, there are going to be a number of people. We have a problem right now is that a lot of people with mental health issues are not getting the care that they need because they can't get access to it because of COVID. And it's kind of a catch-22. These people need their medications. They need their therapy. They need all of these things. They can't get it. People who may not have even known that they have um, mental illness of some sort, or they just started out with just the, the stress of this. This is an overwhelming event that we're having right now. How in the world do you cope with that, especially if you're on the front line? You know, those people, I, I, as I said, I cannot imagine what their thought processes are going on right now. I just can't imagine that. But what is, being, what is happening is that I guarantee you that when we start loosening up the uh, guidelines or uh, loosening up, making sure the economy comes back and all of that, those people are going to need 
a lot of mental health care when they get out to understand, for them to understand uh, and to resolve the stress that they've gone through. So burnout, regular burnout is just a repetitive thing that goes on. It's sort of like when, you, when you're playing tennis and, you know, you're, you're hitting the ball, you're hitting the ball, and then all of a sudden you get what we call tennis elbow. Over time, a repetitive stress, a repetitive stress, a repetitive stress to the point where you just break or you, you get an injury. And in this situation, the injury is you get a brain injury. You get a brain injury where you get, um, you get depressed. You get depressed. It can be treated. Depression is an easily treatable mental illness through talk therapy, through medication. And these people in, on the front lines are going to need all of that. And even people who are now, because we listen to all this negativeness on the, on the news, no one, no one understands that that is putting a toll on everyone because what can you trust? What news can you trust? All you hear is these things of telling you what you can do to cure yourself and what, you know, things that are actually ridiculous. And people are so desperate to just get this over and done with that some of them are putting themselves in harm's way. And I just tell people, you got to take a mental health day and go have a bubble bath, do some yoga, meditate, but get away from social media that is negative because it's not doing you any good. It's only doing you harm. If you're not getting it from the medical advisors, if you're not getting it from the public health people, if you're not getting it from the physicians, you know, don't listen to it. Don't, don't, don't feed into that because all it's going to do is hurt your brain. And because it hurts your brain, it will hurt your body. And who knows what will come out of that. Absolutely. Now, um, you are a keynote speaker who actually um, speaks to medical professionals all across the country about this subject. Do you have any advice for essential workers that are on the front lines right now of this crisis to stay mentally and emotionally healthy? Um, we talked about the um, the nurse who committed suicide. Um, what are some warning signs that people should look out for, um, not just a person, but also their family members? Um, what are some things that mm. people can look out for when it comes to emotional stability with the essential workers? Well, just just think about it. Say that, and, and uh, the, the person that I was actually talking about was actually a physician. And the one thing that everyone will say about someone that dies by suicide is, I, didn't, I, I had no idea. I didn't know that they were in trouble. You know, uh, they seem happy. They seem, you know, like they were doing great. But let me tell you, because I almost died by suicide years ago when stress got to me to the point where the voices in my head were telling me that I needed to jump off of this bridge. So if someone had seen me at that period of time at work, I could do my job. It, it almost in a way kept me sane, but when I went home, that's when the problem was. So I would tell the family members of all of these frontline people 
if they are coming home, because some of them are in isolation and hotels and things like that, they're not even allowed to go home. But say they're working and they're, they're in a job where social distancing is being done and they're wearing masks and they're protected, but they're still stressed and they come home and you notice that your husband and your wife is not sleeping very well. Maybe they're not eating very well. Maybe you ask them, you know, how is your day? And they go, fine. But they become kind of monosyllabic. They just, the, 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 the pep in their step is gone. You have to ask the hard questions. And, and mental illness has such a stigma about it that people are afraid to ask the hard questions. Even now when you go to see a primary care physician, because of this big problem with, with suicide is that they have three questions that they ask people as part of their workup. And that is, are you sad? Are you depressed? Do you feel like harming yourself or others? Are you sad? Are you depressed? Do you feel like harming yourself or others? So if you have a loved one who is on the front lines or is coming home and has been working and is stressed out and they're not talking and they're not eating and they just seem to be a little different, ask the hard questions. And if they say, you know, this is, this is just really getting to me. I, I don't know if I can, I can go back another day. You know, I was driving home and, and I just felt like just, running my car off the road, you know, take those things seriously. And if you are, if you need some help, then you call the suicide hotline and you talk to someone and you ask them to talk to your loved one. The most important thing is that we have to now be above board with all of this. And when people say, I had no idea, there's probably still, there were some things out there that were a little different. I have a colleague, and that's one of the reasons why I speak on it is that not only my own story, but I had a colleague eight years ago that, um, same thing, working at work, doing, seemed to be doing well, but started getting kind of uh, short with the nurses, started yelling at people, um, ended up getting a DUI, and uh, all of a sudden, he was dead. And same thing, people said... I had no idea, but the warning signs were there. And so we just have to be, even as we are vigilant with COVID, we have to be vigilant with people's mental health. And you, you know your spouse better than anyone else. So if you see, or your child or whatever, if you see that something is different about them that you can't put your finger on, talk to them about it. Just sit down and have a conversation. That's how it starts. Don't be afraid to bring up the possibility that, number one, they're depressed because that's, that's how it starts. Depression then goes into suicidal ideation and then can potentially end up with someone dying by suicide. And the most important thing is to just talk to them, communication, talk therapy works, and just talking to them. And also find out what their stressors are and don't add to that. You know, if they come home and they've been working all day long, taking care of whatever they're doing, they don't need to come home and all of a sudden get yelled at because they didn't take out the garbage before they left. Think about the fact that they have that duty that they're doing. You have your duty in your home. 
and maybe a little bit more. Both of you may be stressed in different ways, your spouse and yourself, or you're stressed by the kids, whatever. Have a family get together every night over dinner maybe and just talk about the things that are bothering you. Talking helps. That's great and advice. And I've been talking a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's great advice that you share there, um, especially for people who have those family members in their homes who are on the front lines. Um, they're seeing so much right now on the job day to day and especially this um, large amount of loss in some areas mm. um, larger than others. And they're seeing this constantly on a daily basis. Um, some people are dealing with that on the job as well as losing people in their own family um, to COVID-19. So what type of strategies or tips that um, people on the front lines can use to cope with when they're getting that double-edged sword of seeing it in the field, experiencing in the field all during their um, time, and then also maybe having um, a family member or a dear friend that was lost to COVID-19? And also, um, how can the people around them help them to cope with that sadness and that grief? Well, just to let you know that um, anyone can, uh, it's, it's like dial a psychiatrist, so dial a, ther dial a therapist. There are uh, resources out there for everyone to be able to talk to someone. Obviously, um, through Zoom, you know, because of telehealth, they can, they can do that. So the one thing is that people do have to admit that they have a problem. And that's the hardest nut to crack sometimes is that, People will, will go, you know, they just want to buck up and just do it because that's their job. They're, they're afraid to admit that they're fallible and that they're having problems. But let them be aware, let everyone be aware that they're, they're a phone call away from talking to someone for that. The other thing is that the way we cope, some people cope in different ways. When I was going through my situation I coped by running. Now, you can, you can still run. Please, you know, I don't know where, where you're in Missouri, but here, you know, we, we can still run. And one guy here did a uh, GoFundMe. He was raising money. He ran a marathon in his backyard. And 26.2 uh, miles, not all at one time, but, but he did that as an activity. So, Something that you like to do, my, my husband is a tinkerer, he's a physician also, retired, but he's a tinkerer, and let me tell you, my backyard now has so many gadgets put in that he's ordered online, and then he puts up, we got lights everywhere, I tell you, if anybody tried to rob us, they would just, it wouldn't happen, because our backyard lights up like, you know, Fort Knox if you try to come into our backyard. But that's something that he enjoys doing, and he loves to bike. So, you know, he will bike, and he has a, he has a, uh, a bike stand in a garage that we have, and he will ride his bike in the garage because the garage is air-conditioned. So it, it's 100 degrees here in Arizona now. So everyone who is, is stressed out, first they need some decompression time, and, I, and I, I used to do this, too. I didn't go home right away. If I was at, because I used to work 80 to 100 hour, week, hour weeks as an anesthesiologist. 
And when my time, when my, my time was done, the thought of going home and um, getting into that family situation, I needed some, I needed some me time. And these people all need to take some me time. And even if for me, me time was I would drive home, park my car on the side of my house, you know, so that my kids didn't know that I was there yet. I wouldn't go into the garage. I would sit in my car for 30 minutes, um, sort of just thinking about what I'd done for the day, uh, how I was going to, um, you know, improve whatever. Sometimes I'd listen to the radio, listen to music, and then I would take a deep breath, turn off my car, walk into my home, and then I was present in that moment. I had to get rid of the moment at the hospital, whatever was going on for me at that hospital, I had to cleanse myself of that and then become present in the moment that I was in so that I could be fully present for my husband, for my, for my children, you know, for, for everyone. Because if we take that baggage from, our, the, you know, being frontliner, take that and take it home, it is not doing you any good and it's not doing your family any good. So the most important thing is self-care for all of these people. Self-care in whatever form that they can. Before, people used to just go to the gym. You know, that was one of the things that a lot of my colleagues would do is that they would just go to the gym and work out for an hour before they would go home. Well, that is not, now they're opening gyms, so that is a possibility. But there, there has to be something. They will find something that they can just do on their own for 30 minutes to an hour before they then just drop what they just did and then turn, you know, it's always a mindset shift. Turn that mindset to I'm now in the present and I'm now going to go home to my family and I'm going to be in the presence of that situation and I'm not going to think about what I did at work because it's not helping me and it's not helping anyone else. That is a very good point and a very good tip, finding that small space for self-care and even finding that safe and healthy outlet to decompress is so important. And um, you reminded me of something that I used to do in my um, 15 years of working in corporate America. My drive time, um, I would take that time Mm -hmm. to my commute to have that outlet to decompress, just put on some jazz or some classical music or even some gospel music and just decompress, as I would say, do a brain dump and and flip that switch from corporate life to mom and wife life. And I think that it's very important to do that. Um, Like you say, even if you just sit in your garage or um, just sit on on the side street, to do that and have that time so that way when you come into the house you can as you said be fully present fully involved and that'll help you maintain that balance of mental and emotional health especially when you're experiencing so much um, at work like these essential workers are in this time so that's very good advice that you shared there now in addition to that we know that um, basic health Um, is important too, as well as nutrition and sleep. Um, What are some other ways that 
essential workers and even the families right now who are um, under self-isolation can maintain a healthy lifestyle? Well, the the most important thing for for my husband and I, we used to eat out all the time. It's just the two of us. Most, you know, we we you know, it's just the two of us. So uh, we had a favorite restaurant that we would go to, you know, almost every night, and you know, we would go out and have our wine, and and well, that's all changed. So we we can't do that. And uh, just before COVID started. I did a uh, 14-day uh, plant-based diet challenge online because I wanted to, to see what it was all about. And the thing is that I can't give up my meat. I will, I will be honest with you. But the thing that I did learn was different vegetables that I'd never even thought about using and how to, to – I, I bought this thing called an Instapot. Oh, that yes. was recommended, <laughs> and yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, put my vegetables in there and push the button. I tell you, the only thing it scared me when the steam would pop out. You know, I'd say, "Yo, golly, I'd rip off all the paint <laughs> on the underside of my cabinet." You know, I had to pull it out. But I learned uh, better uh, eating habits through that 14-day challenge. I learned about portion control. I've been on every diet known to man. You know, Nutrisystems, Jenny Craig, Weight Watchers, all of that. But, you know, you eat their food, and then as soon as you stop eating their food, the weight just comes back. So what I, what I made a point to do is that I looked at that sheet and said, all right, you know, I'm still going to eat some meat. Uh, you know, I like my chicken. I like my fish. You know, I'm, I'm going to do that. But let me go and go to the, to the grocery store. Let me look at. What are my options? And Trader Joe's is, I love Trader Joe's. And I went into their, their vegan veg, you know, section, and uh, I bought up a lot of things that I would have never, ever thought that I would eat. I mean, soy protein strips and some of this other stuff. And I brought it home, and my husband and I started doing meal planning and doing this. And he's a little bit better than me. He's lost a little bit more weight than I have. But the point is that we, we, we found a new, new thing to do. And it, and it was fun. I go, well, I really don't, don't like, I can't remember. I, I wish I could remember what this thing was that we bought that, oh, I know it was, it was like jackfruit. That's what it called, jackfruit or something. And we didn't like that at all. <laughs> but the point is that we tried, I would have never, ever, ever done that if, if we weren't stuck kind of here and, and making our own meals. And that was the other thing is that we, we started making more meals. And even though we still do takeout, because I am all about supporting my local, you know, people are, are struggling here with local businesses. And I have found some vegan places and I found some, you know, some regular restaurants that have modified what they do in a takeout form and I support them. So my husband and I, especially on weekends, we will order out, we'll order takeout and have it brought, you know, have it brought here to our home. But otherwise, we go on senior day to the grocery store, we pick out what we want, and then we enjoy just making it and testing it and seeing if we like it, along with a glass of wine, of course, <laughs> because 
you know, we, we like our alcohol, you know, we like our wine. So, um, yeah, being healthy is, you know, a vegetable-based diet right now is good. It's a good thing to do because this is what people are doing. They're, 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 you know, they're watching the news day in and day out. They're sitting on the couch. They're binge-watching shows. You know, they're not doing any form of exercise. They're just eating, 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 eating. And obesity was already a problem in this country before, all of, before COVID. And we have to understand that we have to keep moving even in this time. And we, and we can eat takeout. We can certainly, as I said, I'm supporting. But be aware of what you're eating and how much of it that you're eating. I am more into portion control than I've ever been. I don't weigh things or anything like that, but I do have that mindset now of this is on my plate. When I am full, why am I still eating? It doesn't matter, you know, back in the day, you know, eat all your food before you can go outside and play, but that mindset has to be changed. Now, eat something until you're full, wait 15 minutes, and if you're still full, you're done. You don't need to finish the plate. And, and we've been using smaller plates. We just learned how to do that. We don't use a dinner plate. We use a little plate. And, uh, and if we want more after that little plate is done and we're, we don't feel full, then we'll go and get some more. But the point is that, yeah, we, we have to – all of these are learning experiences that we may never have gone through. You know, I, I wouldn't – as I said, I would never wish COVID on anyone, but just this ability – to sort of look at our lives right now and what's important in them, we would have never, ever thought about if it hadn't been for this. Right now, humanity, just learning how to be compassionate, to be grateful for who we are and where we are and our family, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. It truly is, and I'm glad that you said that about um – establishing new routines, especially when it comes to meal planning and um, shopping for groceries and things of that nature. Um, Instapot and slow cookers are a lifesaver <laughs> when it comes to meal planning and, and budget shopping. And now you have these restrictions even at the grocery store. Um, I know here in Missouri, we have a limit of one household member in the store at a time. So with someone with small children or even someone like me with um, teenagers, that can be a little challenging to mm. kind of go to the store all of the time. And, you know, before COVID-19, I was going grocery shopping daily, um, either, you know, we'll pick them up after school and head straight to the grocery store or um, whatever, whenever I could fit it in. But now with these restrictions in place at the grocery store, we had to rearrange and strategically plan the grocery shopping, which also leads to planning the meals and plan and going into um, trying to figure out a routine and how to still incorporate um, fruits and vegetables, things that don't mm. have as long of a shelf life um, as, you know, as, as something mm. that's processed. So the struggle 
I believe with most families, it's probably the same as mine. I will go get the fruits and vegetables fresh that day and then cook them for dinner. Well, now you have to kind of go in bulk, right? So I'm glad that you said that about establishing um, new routines and, and how you grocery shop and how you um, eat your meals and things. And uh, when you said your portion control, um, something that my mother used to always say, when I am eating because I'm, I'm the type that will just eat and eat and eat. <laughs> um, I, my husband does too. <laughs> but I, it's, it's funny sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes when I eat a little too much, I'll hear my mom's voice in the back of my head say, gluttony is a sin. <laughs> <laughs> so, not all the time. Maybe, maybe not when I'm eating ice cream, but maybe, but, but I, I'll hear that little voice every so often and then that'll kind of help me to put the food away. So I'm so glad that you said that because portion control and, and um, continuing to eat healthy during this time is definitely important. Now we talked about um, shelf life of foods. Tell us what kind of foods should families have on hand right now to ensure that everyone continues to eat healthy um, even after this pandemic blows over. Well, my pantry is full of a lot of beans. <laughs> beans and rice, I mean, the staples of the world, beans and rice. It's amazing what you can do with beans and rice, and you throw in, some, you know, you have a, a salad to go with it. Um, and then, of course, for me, I, I love my fish, so, um, you know, we have in our, our, we have a lot of, we have a big, we have two refrigerators. We have a refrigerator that uh, was left in the house when we moved into it, so we use that for our backup. But in that, we have um, frozen things that, you know, we can thaw. So th they have a better, obviously, uh, shelf life than the fresh things. But, um, yeah, we, in, in, in our pantry right now, we have um, uh, beans and rice. We do have some prepared um, uh, boxes of things. We have a lot of cereal. Uh, what we go out and do is, um, you know, my daughter is allowed, we don't have that rule here where uh, it's only one person. We just have to keep the six-foot distancing, and they only let, they limit how many people can come in the store at a particular time. And when we shop at Costco, they it's 30 that they allow in, and we have this that senior citizen um, special, uh, special time that we can go in to do that. But yeah, I I um, I buy I buy fish. I buy um, you know I have a lot of frozen chicken that uh, you can put in an Instapot, by the way. Yes. And uh, <laughs> and uh, a lot of uh, you know I do buy the package, the frozen spinach, and because the the frozen things obviously are going to last. I I have bought um, asparagus, uh, fresh asparagus. And I tell you, it does taste better than the frozen. Yeah. But you yeah. know, I, you know, but I can't always get fresh asparagus. And that's another thing. I, you know, I didn't eat a lot of asparagus before all of this. And now I found ways, and I sort of drizzle it with some bacon bits and some olive oil, and sprinkle it with some Parmesan cheese. And my husband says, "Oh, you're coming. You're becoming a little chef, aren't you?" Because I I've never been the cook in my family. My husband's always been the cook. And so it's like. Well, I want to try this. Let me just see if this works. And sometimes we throw things into that Instapot, and it's like, wow, where have you been all my life? 
you know, exactly. this is, I guess we had cro- I guess we had a crock pot back in mm-hmm. the day. Maybe that's mm-hmm. same, similar to that. Yeah, but you know, I hardly ever used it. <laughs> but now I use that Instapot. So the the important thing is that there are staples that that don't go bad. You know, you can get your bulk potatoes, and you can get your rice, and you get your beans because you know, variety is the spice of life. But you know, sometimes it's just good to have the basics on hand, and and. You know, if your kids say, Mom, we had that yesterday, says, well, you know, throw some ketchup on it or throw some hot sauce on it. It would be different for you today. But it's important that we, we cook our meals, and you can cook in bulk and then just eat off of it. We have little Tupperware things or, or what's it, Rubbermaid things. We, we say, I'm into polenta right now. Do you know what that is? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I've never had it before. And uh, I love that stuff. So I, I, you know, I cook the whole thing, and then I, I, I divide it up into my, my portions. And then I will have polenta every day. There's some things I, I can eat chicken every day. I can eat fish every day. I can eat rice every day. There's some things I can eat every day, and, and it doesn't get old for me. And my husband is just good at seasoning. It's all about seasoning. Mm-hmm. And he can, and you know, we'll, cook, we'll take a whole salmon, and um, uh, cook it, and we'll eat, you know, our portion of it. And then I will use it in a salad, you know, throw some almond slivers on it and balsamic vinaigrette, you know, all over it. And then I'll have it for a salad for lunch. You know, I, I repurpose, repurpose my food. And, uh, and it's, it's fun because it keeps your brain sharp, too, because I don't even know how our parents were able to give us three meals a day, seven days a week. Right, you know, it's right. it's just truly amazing. Uh, I I because I never did meal planning back in the day. I just you know I let my husband do the cooking, but now we meal plan and um and we keep it going. It's not just because, like I said, you know it, it's three adults and one baby. But you know our our grandson um, he he eats on a different schedule than we do. So. You know, and, and he, he goes to bed. We, we eat a little bit later than him just so that we can have some adult time. Mm-hmm. We feed him, put him to bed, <laughs> and then the three of us can sit down and just sort of go over our day and, and, like I said, just communicate. Talk about, you know, concerns. My daughter, you know, because she is working from home, um, you know, her biggest thing is uh, what if they decide with, the, with reopening the, the state that they're going to ask her to, she's a social worker, mm-hmm. that she has to go back to work. And she says, I, I'm just concerned that I go back to work, and then we have that issue of she goes back to work and she's living with us, and then she comes home with the potential that she could infect us if, if, if she got something at work. Because, and, and I said, you know, you have the right, to say, because she's been working from home now for six weeks, you have the right to say, I'm doing my job efficiently at home. I have a young son and elderly parents, and I decline to come to work in the flesh. And I will back you up. I'll give you a doctor's note. I told her, I said, I'll give you a doctor's note. So now my son says, you know, Mom, I, he works for Google. He says, Mom, you know, if we ever open up, I, you know, I feel very comfortable. I could go back to work again. I said, yeah, but you're doing very good in your home, being very efficient, 
There's no reason for you to go back to a brick-and-mortar place unless you feel comfortable doing it and you practice the guidelines that I've put out for you because someday we will see each other again. And I just want you to stay. And, you know, he's young, but still I want him to stay healthy. Because young people, even though we say that young people aren't getting it as bad, they still get it and they can be carriers. And I don't want my son to be a carrier and come and infect me. End the story. <laughs> right, right, absolutely. And you even have young people with um, compromised um, yes. underlining conditions. Like uh, my son, my oldest son has Crohn's disease, so um, he has to be really careful with his job. He's been working re- at home, too, um, remotely. He works for a university, so he's been working at home now during this time. And what I'm, the biggest thing I'm hoping that comes out of this is that businesses big and small start to reimagine the workplace Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. now we're able to see that there are so many professions that can be successfully done at home and that's a Mm -hmm. huge thing especially for families who are trying to balance parenting and working um like you said with your daughter with a um, taking her child to daycare um I raised four, well, I have two still in the house, but I just remember I I really did not like taking my children to daycare when I worked in corporate America. I wanted Mm -hmm. to be home. And the profession Mm -hmm. that I was in, I actually could have been home. I could have done it from home. But that requirement was there to go to the brick and mortar. And when I transitioned out of corporate America to work from home, the two younger children saw a, hu- a, a totally different type of upbringing because I was always mm-hmm. present. And it's better for mental health, it's better for emotional health, not just for the parents, but also for the children. And it's better for the companies as well, because if you have a, a worker that's mentally and emotionally happy and, and healthy, that's going to do wonders for your business, for your numbers or whatever it is that they do. So I'm really hoping the biggest takeaway from this is for these businesses to reimagine how they operate and reimagine the workplace and what that looks like for each individual worker and take individual workers um, needs and um, home lives into consideration. If they can, if they have proven during this time that they could do their job successfully from home, um, I'm not sure how they're doing um, the news where you are, but here in Missouri, um, our news channels actually have the meteorologist at home <laughs> doing the mm-hmm. weather from home. And um, a couple of news respondents, to, um, our sportscaster is doing the sports from home. And we're loving it. We're loving it. I think because it humanizes the situation, too. Mm-hmm. We're seeing that we're not in it by ourselves. But they've been doing a, a wonderful job from home. So I'm, yep. I'm really hoping that that's what comes out of this. Um, it's very important, especially for mental and emotional health, um, and also to prevent a pandemic going forward once we get out yeah. of this. That will, I'm pretty sure, would reduce the, um, the chances of something like this happening again as well. 
Um, lastly, Dr. Charity, tell us where can people connect with you? You shared so much good information and advice today, and I appreciate you for that. Um, tell us where can people connect with you online? Well, they can connect with me. My website is Dr. Charity, Dr. DrCharitySpeaks.com, and my LinkedIn page is Lynette Charity MD. And uh, they can go there and see what I offer. You know, my business, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a speaker, and of course, I'm talking about uh, reimagining what's going on, that's why I'm taking all of these classes, because I see that the, the uh, conferences and things that I, I used to speak at are going to change dramatically, and we're going to start doing more and more stuff uh, using social media, using Zoom. And so that's why I'm learning this new, this new thing that I have to learn. But that is my website. Um, as I said, right now I speak uh, specifically on physician uh, burnout, suicide, and depression. And uh, I have other options too. But, yeah, that's where you can find me. I, I, I'm trying to reinvent my own self because of this uh, pandemic. And hopefully when it comes out on the other end, that um, I will have positioned myself to help more people uh, in, in, a, in the new environment because I feel very strongly about uh, this, the, this mental health crisis that we're going through right now and the stigma associated with mental health illness amongst physicians and others because we, we, we understand that our bodies can get sick. They get cancer. They get gallbladder disease. I don't understand why there is this concept that the brain is different. The brain gets sick too, and it needs treatment just like everything else, and it's no different. We just, you know, we can treat it, but you have to allow people to get treated, and if they can't get treated, then we end up with people dying by suicide, and that's a sad state of affairs. So thank you. Indeed. Um, thank you for sharing all of that information with us. And again, you can find Dr. Charity at her website of drcharityspeaks.com. You can also connect with um, Dr. Charity on Facebook. And uh, from what I understand earlier, you said you're sharing some video there of, of yourself. So um, you can find her on Facebook at Lynette Charity Motivational Speaker. Um, that's her mm -hmm. um, sign in there. And you can also find her on Twitter at Lynette D. Charity. So definitely connect with Dr. Charity. Um, reach out to her if you have any other questions on mental and emotional health, especially physicians, those are on the front line, um, definitely connect with her in those places. I'm pretty sure that she'll be more than happy to help you. Uh, thank you so much for sharing with me today and speaking with me today. It's been a pleasure, and um, I wish that you and your family continue to stay safe and stay healthy during this time. Thank you again, too, Matila. I really appreciate your time, too. Thank you again. Thank you for tuning in to the Faith, Health, and Home digital podcast. For transcripts of this episode and others, visit our website at faithhealthandhome.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to our podcast and connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Thank you again for joining us.